Hello and welcome to CG Weekend, which kindly sponsored by Bet MGM with myself, Dave Young, and no Andrew Mount, but we have a very able deputy in his place because we have the return of Matty Sutcliffe, who is not filming himself on a potato this week, a proper camera, proper proper backdrop, potentially a cockapoo set to disturb him, which we hope will happen. But Matty, great to have you back with us. And we have loads to go out this weekend. Of course, we have the rescheduled fighting fifth hurdle. Now at Sandown, we have the Tingle Creek. Then we have the Beecher Chase meeting at Aintree as well. So lads, let's get cracking because we begin with a Mare's Chase listed race up at Aintree. This for four-year-olds and over, over two more four at 12.55. Matty, welcome back. And would you like to kick us off, please? Of course, yeah, no, thanks for having me back. It's um, sorted out my camera quality, ready to go. <laughs> um, yeah, look, Zambella's won this the last two years, and um, but part of me wanted to take her on. She's look, she's not from five after a break, um, and I just part of me just thinks she could go. She could go in really easily, but I do want to take her on. Um, I was going to take her on Pink Legend, and she's what four from six after a break. But Venetia Williams is seven. Is not from seven in non-handicaps entry the last five seasons, and she's pulled up here over course and distance. So I wanted to take the top two on, but look. The last 10 renewals of this race, and they've all been rated 137 plus. Now you've got Boris Diamond 132, Saka Curve 128, Lorena B 127. So it could just be wise to just go with one of the top two. Um, and I thought Boris Diamond record outside of enlisted company, she's sixth, fifth, sixth, never closer than 34 lengths. She pulled up last time out of Market Raisin, behind Galadi Lito, never travelling. But, and do you know what? It is Sue Smith's time of year. You know, she's had a few winners recently. It's Maisie won earlier. And then um, O'Connell just about to win now, I believe, as well. And then um, when she pulled up in that race as well, my old gold pulled up in the same race in 2020 before I win this one. So I wouldn't completely write her off off the back of that. All the wins have come left-handed as well. So, you know, going right-handed around Michael Razor what suited. Um, so I do want to... T I, I would like to be with her. Lorena and me, progressive RPRs last twice for the Doctor. And then... But Saka Kerr is kind of... They fly in the ointment, you know, it just screams of a typical skeleton Saturday plot job, doesn't it? Um, she wasn't disgraced in the group two uh, elite hurdle at Wincanton behind uh, Rhubarb with uh, Hansard, who followed up in the Jerry Field in second. And then, um, look, she goes back up in shape, reverts defences. So, Sakaka is an interesting one as well. And I just wonder whether if Zambella and Pink Legend take each other on up front, whether it will set up for a closer. Sakaka has, has come off the pace before. Though she has gone forward at Plumpton and Font well the last two our last two wins. Um if you if you had to give me one, I'd go with Burroughs Diamond uh, from off the pace with Sue Smith. Yeah, so to tie you down to one selection then, 11 to 1 about Boris Simon is not a bad way to go, but good cases made all round for some of those at bigger prices for Matthew. Dave, which of these mares caught your eye? Uh, Zambella. I love Zambella. I've got like a weird soft spot for her, and there's I'm quite indifferent when it comes to the mares. Sometimes I look at them and I, it's going to sound really rude to say this, but I look at them and just think they're not the same standard as some of the Geldens. Then you get good mares and I think these are real good mares. Now, to touch on the, the main two, right? The, I think the frustrating thing with the market, the way that it's priced up is, at the time of recording, they're about 11 to 8 joint favourites. It's probably in and, in and around the right sort of price. Like May touched on, Zambella's first time up record fresh like is just abysmal. Had Zambella have had a run, I feel like everyone would just be steaming into Zambella. But I wanted to make a bit of a case, basically just comparing the two of these, because I think it's a match between the two of them. 
And I wanted to basically see if I can give myself enough of a case so I can back Zambella. And viewers will be pleased to know that we're going to go in on Zambella, right? Record fresh for the horses. So I'm doing this when they're fresh, like right at the start of the season. For uh, Pink Legend, it's sixth and first, first, first and sixth. Four out of five of those runs were about this trip, though. Zambella's runs are unseated, seventh, fourth, second. But none of the starts have been at this trip, right? So it looks like maybe she needed the run. So I'm trying to make that look better. Prove anything with facts, right? The last five RPRs at about this trip. 147 for Pink Legend, 134, 139, 123 and 144. Those 140s ones are when she was second and third in the Mayor's Chase in March. This isn't Shelton, this is Aintree, right? Zambella, her last five are 142, 144, 148, 148 and 138. Both those lows were in the Mayor's Chase at Cheltenham in March. So if these two were racing against each other at Cheltenham, Pink Legend would finish in front. This isn't Cheltenham and Zambella's far more consistent. Head-to-head, -head, Pink Legend's beaten her three times, twice in that Mayor's Chase at Cheltenham. I'll say it one more time. Zambella's beaten her four times, so finished in front, including when Pink Legend fell when beaten. Track record, Matty touched on, is zero for two for Pink Legend, one for one for Zambella. But this is more important, right? There is plenty of rain still about. It's soft to aim tree. The record on soft in chases is one from eight for Pink Legend and seven for nine for Zambella. So... Obviously, gamble responsibly. She's not a massive, massive price. Like, if she was 7 to 4, 2 to 1, I'd say steam into Zambella. But definitely, if you want to have a bet in the first on ITV, bet Zambella. Zambella to defy the probably anti-pressure angle. But Dave has managed to give us a whole load of stats then to counteract that. And that's what trends are there for, too. We can skew them in our favour. <laughs> but Zambella, we can't wait to see her, of course. Now we move on to the big event. Well, one of the big events, probably the big event. The Grade 1 Fighting Fifth Hurdle for the four-year-olds and over, over two miles. Now, of course, at Sandown after Newcastle was abandoned last weekend. Constitution Hill. He is the two to nine favorite. He's got the green light so far to run here with Nick Oda Boyneville, but to ride seven to one bar about the remainder. So, Dave, what do we do here? Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna be quick on this one and I'm gonna implore viewers, please don't click off the video. I'll only be quick. I'm gonna mention a horse that's gonna annoy a few people. So we'll just we'll get on to Matty's and the rest of the things I've got some better points, right? Constitution Hill will win. It's the same as last week, and Shishkin, we're just hoping that he starts. We don't know if they're definitely going to run, but we're doing it as though the race is in there, right? As for the others, it'll be interesting to see how you wear it well and Love Envoy match up on this. But the ground's ideal for Goshen, right? And I know he was really bad at Ascot. He drifted like an absolute barge. He's 40 to 1 with Constitution Hill in the betting. The forecast for him to come second to Constitution Hill will pay about 10 or 11 to 1. So with Andrew not being here and in homage to him, for the price of a lottery ticket, <laughs> I would probably play that. However, if the sixth one has hold up, the betting without market with Constitution Hill will play two places. He's 40 to 1 in it. He might be like 16, 20 to 1 without Constitution Hill. And he's only got to finish second behind him. Love Envoy's a bit ropey first time up as well. Like, I think this is a windy enough race that Goshen at 40s should not be ignored at Sandown. But I'll stop there so the viewers can be retained. But there are other ways to play this race from a betting perspective. And I'm pleased to see we have enough runners to go at in this race as well. But of course, you did say about Shishkin. He has to got the declaration 16 to 1, James Bowen. Massey, will he be able to get him to start? Or what was your betting play in this one? Um, well, I suppose it depends whether Constitution Hill's going to go, isn't it? I mean, they've outright said if it's heavy ground, they are going to send him. I know that he won the toll off on heavy ground, but I feel like as a novice, you can kind of get away with running on heavy ground. As you mature and grow older, you kind of have a ground, you become ground dependent. 
And also, there's no point risking him on heavy ground whatsoever, is he? You know, his punters will feel and fans will feel upset that we aren't going to see him. But so if he doesn't go, now you're going to laugh at Dave for sticking up Goshen. You might laugh at me even more. I, I just can't get away from not so sleepy each way, just plugging on for a place in a second. I mean, look, the field could go down to five. I couldn't trust Goshen as far as I could throw him. You're not too sure whether Shishkin's even going to jump off, and he's clearly here for Piper over there anyway. And not so sleepy. His record on heavy ground, three wins, a third and a second. He won this race in 2021, third behind Constitution Hill in 2022. That was on good to soft as well, unfavourable good to soft ground. And, and you know you're probably all in stitches right now, but he has the fourth best RPR in this contest in the last decade. And you know he's in good form. He won the flat at Newbury, the good seventh in the Cesarevich as well. So I just wonder whether some of the others failed to give the run in or in Shishkin's case, don't give the run at all, whether you just plug on for a place, you know, second place, which is better than better than what Love and Work could go off at, what, one to three or something daft like that. So I'll, I'll pop myself out of my chest and I'll, I'll wear um, Not So Sleepy. You two have gone completely rogue then with the fighting for Cardle. But Perry, just to remind you, you've gone for Goshen and Not So Sleepy. Right, there you go. The lads have lost their minds, but uh, no, I'm only messing. Of course, I love both of those horses and they are well worth their places in this race. And they're 40 to 1 and 50 to 1 as well. But do just watch the weather and exactly who we're going to get definitely turning up on Saturday. Now we stick at Sandown for the 150, another grade one contest here. This is a Henry VIII novices chase over just shy of two miles for the four-year-olds and over. And JPR1 is currently the favourite then, Matty, at 15 to 8 from Colonel Harry in next. So we've got a lot of horses that we're still expecting to see plenty more from going forwards. But who did you like? Um, yeah, I think, look, we can all agree that this is a grade one in nature. It's not the strongest grid when you'll ever see. Um, and I'm not too sold on JPL1 either. I think he's a really short price what he's shown so far. I mean, he jumped well um, two starts ago when he had Monviel in second, ICO in third. Monviel, obviously, didn't give his run next time out. But I think ICO gave his run in either. Um, and I think we can agree he was going to beat uh, Home Public last time out. But again, he's, he's beating Home Public with Petit on the air and behind anywhere near the standard of winning a, a race of this nature. <clears throat> I don't think it is. The one that I do really like is the outside of the field, Le Patron, who I cannot believe is this price. Is um, I still come up on my column on Wednesday at 14 to 1. He's now 20 to 1. So I'll be going back in again. And look, he's, he's two from two over fences. He's one ease down the last twice. And he jumped so well um, here last time out. And you know, jumping around like jumping around Sandown as a novice like that, you're going to take the rest out of the others. You know, he'd be tough to peg back if he's in a similar groove. Drops back in trips, softer ground will suit. He's got quite a big knee action. So if stamina does come into play, I, I really think he'll be tough to peg back. Um, Gary Moore won this in 2015 with our Mad. He also come off the back of a course handicap win. And um, so, I, I, yeah, I think he's interesting. My other one is, I'll, you know, I'll play a forecaster as well, Colonel Harry. Um, course winner, heavy ground, um, six lengths, four from the tour of last season, second in a group two Premier Novice. And um, look, he's the, only point, he's the only point-to-point winner in this field as well which, I mean, you can't translate point-to-point form to a degree on the rules, but he is the only one with back-class in change, you can, can, you can suppose. And then there would have been two from two in that sphere had he not fell. And he's from the family of Colonel Jaeger, who famously beat Moscow Fire in April 2001. 
Oh, good stats. Goodness me, pulling them out of the bag here then, Matty. So, yeah, it is, though, isn't it? Like I say, it's the grade one in name. Perhaps they're not in actual nature in here. I mean, Colonel Harry's a horse I absolutely adore. I always had him down as a two and a half miler, though, but maybe that will counteract over fences over the minimum trip. Dave, who did you like? Yeah, this is like, it's a decent race. And I know, like we're saying, they're the grade one in name, grade one in nature type stuff. But the British novices have been pants for years. We know that British declines down. We may have to just lower our standards a little bit. But it's very similar to like the John Franco at Newbury last week. When that was the grade two in around the 140s. So it's much more like that. It's much more like a decent grade two than a bad grade one. But I still think it's a nice race. So glad that Ahmad gets a mention here as well, Matty, because I used to back the horse every single year for the Ryanair. They never sent him there. But yeah, the get out and go merchant. When you see a horse flying over fences at Sandown, it's some sight. And I agree. I rewatched that race from the Patron. I don't know if he's got enough ability to do it, but he's the wrong price for sure. He shouldn't be 20. So good shout for him. JPR1 is the one in this field, though, that I do think will end the season at the 150s horse. He's 15 to 8 at the time of recording. That is probably short enough. Connections did say after the Cheltenham race, admittedly straight after, they were going to give him a bit of a break. They were going to give him an easy option after, but they're obviously running him in here. So they're doing the opposite of both those things. So that's a tiny bit of a concern, but I do like the fact that they're obviously seeing something in him to say he's ready to go. I quite like him. I don't like Colonel Harry. Can't really say too much about the Chepstow race, can we, because of the ride on the second, but he was gifted that race. And I don't believe the form of that will stand up in the slightest. So I think he's a terrible prize. I think JPR1 is the best horse in the race at the moment. ICO seems to win first time out, and then every time he races, he gets worse and worse and worse. Um, unexpected party. This is the wrong trip for him, and he's a handicapper as far as I'm concerned. So I think JPR1 would win. Um, I don't know whether I'll be steaming in at the price it is, because I think he's probably skinny enough. But if there was one to beat him, then I'm happy to side with what Matty said, Le Patron. But I'll, I'll be betting JPR1, but just not for much. Yeah, and apart from the 20 to 1 outsider, so I'm glad that you're both in agreement that he's probably the wrong price in here. But JPR won then for the main play for day 15 to 8, head of the market. Right, we're heading back to Aintree now. Now we're over the Grand National Fences. Of course, this is the Beecher Handicap Chase, a premier handicap for the six-year-olds and over, over three mile two. Four to one favourite, Ashtown Lad, bidding to get back to the glory that Saw him winning this race last year from Guest Keel, but he has obviously pulled up on those two most recent outings. Four to one market leader. Dave, we've got loads of characters in here we know plenty about. So who wins over the big spruces? I mean, I don't know. Is the Leo Rouge running? Because that seemed to be the thing before. Yeah. They just keep back in the All same horse. <laughs> this makes me feel a little bit like when I used to go to the grounds and they'd have an Afghan race at the start of it. There's just not enough of it to get the substance to know what the form is. They don't jump the national fences enough for me to ever show enough of an interest. Percussion I put up last time when he comes second, but if he wasn't six pounds out the handicap, I'd be having a lumpy each way bet on him because he's five to one. It's fifth of the odds, four places up for grabs. Him and Ashtown Lad, I can't see outside the frame, but he is out of the handicap and it always niggles in my head. I feel stupid if I put those types of bets on. So it wouldn't really be a race that I'd want to play. And I wouldn't put anyone away from back in the first two in the bet in each way, even though it's a bit scummy, isn't it? But I do want to give a mention to Under Supervision, who is a horse that 
off his handicap mark has definitely, definitely, definitely got wins in him. I was really impressed with him at Cheltenham was plugging on. Sound Twister Davies back in the saddle. Sound Twister Davies is a different beast over horse like on horses over fences. He is a great jock. We don't know how he's going to take to this discipline. That's where I sort of struggle with these types of races, which is why I don't get too involved. But I'll have a token each way bet on him. As I said, there were well, there are four places up for grabs. Some bookies you can extend it a little bit further. He's top price 14 to one at the time of recording, but he is sort of a general 10, 11 to one shot. So he's a, an okay-ish price, not massive, but I'll have a token suggestion on under supervision. But I do like to watch this race. I just don't really like to get too involved. Yeah, it's a brilliant spectacle, the same, isn't it? But a token selection and under supervision with Sam and Davis taking back over in the plate on him. Matty, any more of a fan of betting in these types of races or are you just going to be enjoying it as well? Um, bit of both. I mean, I, I pulled my hair out over this race all morning. Um, I had a fantastic lady down as a winner. She wasn't declared this morning, so I've had to go with a fresh set of eyes. And um, look, if Ashtown Land wins this race, it'll be an absolute disgrace. I mean, yeah, he's £2 above last year's winning mark, but he's pulled up the last twice. And I do recall uh, Harry Skelton said he enjoyed the ground, the good soft ground that day. I just wonder whether soft or heavy would pose a question. I'm like, you just... You can say he's been laid out for the race, but there's not a chance you can back him on, on what he's shown recently. Um, I did I, I did land on, on the supervision as well. Um, who I thought that third last time, I know, yeah, surprise, I know. I thought that um, that third last time out, Shelton was really impressive, um, jumped really well. Back to somewhat, back to what we know he can show. And um, I think it was Walker the Mill in 2018 who was third in that race, um, won the one afterwards as well. So it's kind of a similar prep race to that. Nigel Twist and Davis has had six, six, a record six wins in this contest. And then Cheltenham as well, it seems to be a lucky course as well. Last time out, course, six of the last 20 winners were previously raced at, at Cheltenham. And as Dave said, look, Sam Twist and Davis from the front on a horse like this, in a race like this, he's, just, he's made for it. He's an absolute he's genius. And then he has won the race twice on um, uh, Hello Bud 2010 and 2012. So it, my main play would be on the supervision. I'll give a little mention to Manila Trump. For uh, Theo Gillard and Donald McCain, and he's 22 to one now. Has come in from 40s. He ran a really good race and he got national. I mean, when like three quarter of the field pulled up, whatever it was, that was his first time over these fences. He jumped with plenty of zest. Didn't say the trip, but kind of backed down now to a, a more a more adequate trip. Might not get the ground, but look, if he takes these fences once more, he might be he might be a good one to to back as well. So yeah, I'll completely disregard Ashton Lad. Disgraceful if he wins, and then um, I'll go on the supervision. Under supervision, the pair of you two agreeing there, but it will be disgraceful, says Matty, if Ashtown Lad goes and wins this. And you just mentioned Hello Bud. Weird fact for you, Hello Bud is Sam Twiston Davis's wallpaper on his phone. Don't ask how I know that, but it obviously holds that mental up to him. So hopefully he can go in again over these big fences. Right, let's head to Sandown for a 0-150 handicap hurdle. This is for the three-year-olds and over, over two miles at 2.25. Five to two, your market leader. A hat-trick seeking imposed trois. Seven to one bar about the remainder. So we've got the each-way possibilities, Matty, here. But what's your way of playing it? Yeah, look, imposed trois was really impressive last time out. And um, I think this will be, I think he could possibly potentially win this en route to the Betfair Trophy. Um, but there's another one who I do like in here who, who could either win this or finish second and win the Betfair Trophy. Jill I. John for David Pipe. And um, he's a steadily progressive ex-French type, you know, too keen for his own good last season. Seems to be mature of experience. And there's a piece of form that, there's a piece of form that suggests he's absolutely chucked in off his mark. 
Um, it was second to Blue King Daru at uh, Cheltenham in the Masterson off level weights in October. And that one won the grade, grade two coal hurdle next time out. Now we're rated 148. And look, I'm really surprised that the handicapper hasn't reassessed you, Elijah, because he's what, 23 pounds lower for a two length gap. And then um, like you can say he wasn't quite impressive last time out and um, couldn't quite match the finishing kick of the, was it the Welsh champion hurdle 50 in Coco, the county hurdle winner, Favoir. But Jack, he didn't, he wasn't really put in the race. He came there swinging, came, joined the leaders at the last on the bridle, jumped in front, but then he wasn't given much of an effort, kind of let the leaders go ahead of him. Jack didn't didn't ask for a tap until kind of had gone three lengths ahead, finished off quite well. So it was an eye-catching run, I thought. And seven of the last ten winners of this race have come from off the pace, so we kind of know how you want to be ridden. And um, so I do think July John will will come off the pace, hopefully go close, and then um, en route to the Betfair Trophy. Oh, okay then. And further aspirations for him. He's currently a 12 to 1 shot in here, July Joan, for Jack Tudor, and for David Pipe, then for Massey. And what is a pretty open contest away from the favourite, Dave? So your way of playing it. Yeah, so it's a 0 to 150. You said that at the top, but I like, I'm going to do this every single week, especially for the next few years while British racing in tatters. 148 is Langadan, and then the next best is 138. It's a 0 to 140 best. But. Impost bar was it like upward curve, I think, was impressive at Cheltenham. Was in a novice handicap. This time's not, it's sort of open handicap. Definitely deserves to be favourite, the most likely winner, but it is tipping up a favourite. But I, I do think it's right up there. Spirit Danu ran in that Masters and Hurdle race that Matty was talking about. And I didn't really get the hype around the horse before the race, didn't really see anything in the race. But then I started to look at Gillijon as well for the fact that they were running off of levels, the price discrepancy between the two of them. So Spirit Danu's as low as five to one and Gillijon. July Joan, I'm going to say that, is um, as big as 12 to 1. So I'm glad Matty's made a case for that one. I will I will bet in post because I think it's on an upward curve. Other horses are on a downward curve. But when he was talking about the finishing speed of like a Gin Coco and a Favoir in here, we might not have county hurdle winners in here or horses that are of that calibre. So although it is a 0 to 150 and it is classed as a class 2, it's probably not quite that good a race and that will help the uh, pipe horse. So I'll back in post while and I'll let Matty have the other one, but I would agree that I think that's got a chance definitely at the price too. Yeah, 12 to 1 then, but at least you've given one of Matty's bigger price selections another nod, Dave. We appreciate that, but in post while, probably the most likely winner for you in that 2.25 at Sandown. Right, we head back to Aintree again now and it's the turn of the three-year-olds. We have a listed juvenile hurdle over two mile one at 240 and my prices haven't refreshed yet so i don't know what is favorite but at least we've got plenty of runners to go out dave we do yeah max the stars is favorite um ran behind woodhoe at newbury Blech. like real mare form real bad race it's a, again like I don't, i'm gonna have to stop saying it but like this is a listed like juvenile hurdle race it's pants really really bad what's good though is i don't really have an interest in this race from a betting perspective but the fact that Andrew's not here means I can give a little Christmas gift to him because he mentioned Knight of Allen a few weeks ago, right? Yes. As a horse potentially for a Fred Winter. And it was carried out in that race that Burdett rode one of the first. Burdett rode was in the race. The French horse was over. Burdett rode his favourite for a triumph. So just in the context of betting, Knight of Allen was 22 to 1 in that race. And Knight of Allen is 16 to 1 in a race here where the top rated horse is about 117. So probably two stone worse than Burdett Road. So regardless of form, regardless of anything, Knight of Allen is the wrong price. It's interesting as well, because we talk about Jane Williams' horses. They like a little bit of slow ground. Christmas time, they seem to get paid as well. 
Andrew touched on the fact that it might not do too much, might want to just get a mark, but they've got Sam Twiston Davis on board. Like people aren't just getting Sam Twiston Davis on if they're just trying to get a handicap mark. I don't think Sam Twiston Davis is the type of jockey that you'd have on a horse that you want to hide out the back. There's plenty of others that you might want to do that with. I can imagine that this is a weaker race than Cheltenham. Jane Williams knows that, and they're thinking he could still win this and get in a Fred Winter. So Knight of Allen at 16 to 1, thanks to Andrew Mount, no courtesy of my own. I, it's a definite bet. Like it's well worth a swing at that one. Each way, I'm pretty sure there'll be four places up for grabs as well. Yeah, night of I know he was so unlucky, wasn't he? His race course saved. He actually did jump the first, and then he got carried out after that. So I remember seeing him walking back down the shoot, thinking that was easy. <laughs> so uh, he didn't have a hard day on his first day at school, anyway. But uh, yeah, Andrew did flag him up for us as a potential even before he made his race course savvy as a Fred Winter type, sixteen to one in here. So sneaky, interesting play for Dave Massey. But what was your angle? Yeah, no, I, I like the night Bell angle. Um by Masterstroke, of course, from the family of Galileo. And um, but it's the actually the other Masterstroke gelding, a Le Fave. I apologize to any French listeners if I completely butchered that. But um Le Fave for Dan and Harry Skelton. Now it was a six figure sum in a, a general flash sale online in um, September after um, coming second to the highly regarded and Anazadem, I think it is, who um back that win next time out. And look, it's so on Google Translate, his name translated to English means the beast. Now you don't call a horse Le Favre if he's not a beast, you know what I mean? So so I'm 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 not going pure off the name, but um it's an interesting one, big strapping chaser for the future. And um, Dan Skelton's record of non-handicaps at entry over the last five seasons, eight from 40, 22 places, which isn't it's it's, it's respectable. Backing them to a one pound level stake, you would, would have seen sixty-two pound ninety-four back for your money. So I'll take a chance on the beast. The Beast, Le Fauve. Yeah, I'm going to go with The Beast instead. The French Beast. I love that, though. I always feel like I learned something on this show, not just from a statistical horse racing perspective, but uh, different translations. And I feel like I learned languages far more than I did in my actual French lessons in school. So, Nasty, thank you for that. Right, we have more Grade 1 action up now. This is the Tingle Creek Chase for the four-year-olds and over, over just shy of two miles at sundown at three o'clock. John Bond, one to three favourite. But he does have four rivals declared taking him on here, Massey, at least. But are you just going to sit back and watch John Bond win this, or did you have a betting play? Uh, I've had a bet um, for the column. It's Haddock's Day Over each way. Um, look, I think we can all agree John Bond is the likeliest winner. I thought he's, he's winning the slow chase last time out. was absolutely exceptional. Probably the, he looks like he's strengthened up since. He's matured since. He's become a smart horse, and I think it's a massive, a massive danger to El Fabiola in March. Um, regarding the others, I think Edward still wants further. <clears throat> I mean, I think I saw somebody where they talking about King George, and um, he'd have to, he'd have to, you know, be very good here to take up, take up that entry. Um, he wasn't disgraced behind John Mon, but um, New Bay Negra as well, not from three at Sandown, not from seven grade ones. Boot Hills had two hard enough races, and always close behind John Bond last season, but um, it's hard to see him bridging the gap. I just thought Haddock's Diobo was really interesting. Look, he, he fell last time out at Cheltenham and um, he wasn't necessarily beaten. But, you know, the form's worked out. Triple Trade has won since, finished second to Boot Hill since. Not long till May was in his fourth that day. He's come out and finished second in the Paddy Power Gold Cup. And um, <clears throat> Haddock's Diobo is a good jumper. He likes soft ground. Again, it, Gary Moore knows what it takes to win this race. He won it twice to Saeed Grugia. And you might remember that Saeed Grugia started off his season 2013 in a handicap at Chepstow. And then before I went on to win this, then he started off his season in 2015 in the Gold Cup, in the Heldon Gold Cup. 
So, you know, in, in Iran to an RPI of 149 there, beating uh, fifth out of fifth. So, it's look, you can graduate from handicaps to win a grade one like this. And um, Hanik Stoyobo, I just, I think John might be the likeliest winner, but I, I can't see him, I can't see him being out, of, being out of the second place, I'm honest with you. Yeah, and we've still got the five runners here. So we've got the two places on offer as it currently stands. And Haddix is over 16 to 1. Looks a good way to go then with that. And as you say, I mean, if anyone's going to be able to graduate these types of horses from handicaps into graded performance, especially uh, these types of chasers, then Gary Moore is the man to do that. You've just said what he managed to do with Saida Gruji, uh, editor Dejit, and now hopefully Haddix Des Obo as well. So in each way, play then for Matty, Dave. What was your angle? Yeah, I mean, Gary Moore at Sandler, it's basically like his backyard, isn't it? The amount of times he unleashes something decent here, like, like it's it's filthy. Like, fair play for that one. John Bond's been on some sort of mad upward curve from the arc, right? I think he lost, like, a little bit in defeat that day because obviously he's beaten by El Fabiola. But straight after, I think people were just like, how he'll never be able to beat that horse again. But then that run at Sandown last season was filthy like he was what well, i would say at least half a stone if not a stone better than he was at cheltenham so he seems to have made mistakes at cheltenham learned from it and then obviously going to the slower chase where he still hasn't won at cheltenham those two seconds behind the beast that are constitution hill and then el fabiolo that slower chase run was disgusting like i would have, i was talking well there was a good few friends but before they jumped the last i was we were talking rprs and i was saying if he keeps going up the hill this will be like a 180s rpr obviously he did seem to slow down a little bit we watched the replay like him and Emberson aren't really getting that close but he got 172 for that he is on an upward curve that was a seasonal reappearance he should absolutely dot up in here which is what the market's saying but Edward, St Edward Stone in the race last year was 171 or 172. Like, if you rewind, I know he's been pants since, but if you rewind and watch his Tingle Creek from last year, he was an absolute weapon. The big negatives are he was supposed to or possibly going to run at Huntingdon, wasn't he, in the Peterborough chase. Mm -hmm. I think the fact that there's, like, flood in there, although it's passed an inspection today, it's probably going to be off. Alan King wants to get a run into him before the King George, potentially. He's always talked about stepping up in trips. So this wasn't the first four. But Edward Stone might be able to get away with a little bit. Like I definitely couldn't have a bet in here. I couldn't trust that Edward Stone could get anywhere near John Bond. I think John Bond will just absolutely bolt up. So it's a hard one from like a betting perspective. But then you don't have to bet in every race. Let's just sit back and watch John Bond hopefully absolutely sluice up because we've got El Fabiola running on Sunday in the Hilly Way. This is a weekend of like headline acts where hopefully we just get to see them both go and win. Yeah, we've got a proper two-mile chase division back again in between at the fight between those two for Britain and Ireland, of course, as well. And this weekend is going to be very telling. Right, that was the grade one at Tingle Creek. The 315 at Aintree. Now, this is a handicap hurdle for four-year-olds and over, over two mile four. Nine to two the field. Sonagino heads the way here. Five to one bar about the remainder, Dave. So, again, a competitive-looking heat. Yeah, it's a good-looking race. Um, there's one that I think I'm probably probably going to have a good bet on. I like the price. I think it's the right sort of price. I was told this horse wasn't going to be hurdling. He was going to be going over fences. And then I was told by somebody else that they realised that his mark was too good. They didn't want to waste it over fences and lose his novice status, which is Sonagino, right? Ran at Chepstow. I think he touched 1.22 in running. I remember that because he was the last leg of a lucky 15. He came oh. second. But the ground was bad. I was worried if he'd even run that day. That was over two and a half, seasonal reappearance. I thought he ran really well, even though he got beat. 
did go up a few pounds, but he finished fourth staying on in the Greatwood at Cheltenham, which is a, a, like a dirty run considering he's, he was over two miles. And again, like they were going to send him chasing, but I feel like now they've seen that he's clearly, he's got an unchanged mark, he's still 137. He's clearly got a win in him off that mark. They had him entered in a race at Aintree when it was old Roan Day. I think they probably got wind that, well, we know every year there's low sun, the hurdles are probably going to be doled off, which wouldn't suit this horse because he jumps lovely. This is not a great wood. This is a, it's not a poor race, but it's not a great race. You can get nine to two about Sonagino, and that great wood, like that great wood hurdle form is going to work out really well. Lucia is going to win races in behind. She's going to win at Ascot in a couple of weeks. She'll probably go on and win the Betfair as well. Iberico Lord will keep winning when he steps up in trip. In hindsight, the handicapper is going to wish that he put Sonagino up a few pounds because he's going to win this and he'll go up seven or ten pounds for this. So Sonagino, top price, nine to two. It is a fifth of the odds, so you'd lose a little bit if you did back each way to play safe. But there is no way this horse is out of the first four, and I can't possibly make a case for anything else to beat him. So Sonagino is a strong, strong fancy in the three fifteen. Sonagino remains well handicapped, and they say this is easier than the Great Wood that he contested last time. Interesting that they're happy to sit curdling them than going over fences with him. So a strong case made by Dave for Sonagino, Matty. What was your play? Yeah, I nearly, I nearly went with Sonagino myself, you know, on that entry form, from, that course and distance form from last season. He had bloody one in second. It was obviously Frank the form since. And I nearly backed him based on that form line. But I watched him run back in the Great Wood this morning. And I just thought he just he looked, he looked really ungenuine. And um, he looked really awkward. He's kind of running on the spot a little bit. His head wasn't down. And I also think he wants better ground as well. If this, if this turns into, I know the entry forecast quite a lot of rain. If this turns into a slog, I think, I don't think I'd be surprised if he plays in truth here. Um, he's it's interesting that they're going to send him chasing. Um, I do think he shapes like a chaser, but again, he just look. I can't get away from the fact that he looks so so ungenuine last time out. Um, Vicky Vale's probably going to be the other one up there and getting backed in, but she's um, both her wins have come on uh, sharp track, sharp right handed tracks. Not sure if Angel suit. The one I did really like is Bash's Reflection, who, um, if you go deep enough into his ped pedigree, he's from the family of best mate. No other than best mate, and um, yeah, look, he's far from seven in handicaps, climbed twenty-seven pounds in the process, and um, but I don't think he's done it done improving. I think a six-pound rise underestimates his run last time out, where we had um, the more off the bridle uh, before like, idling in front, and um, so he wouldn't want to get there too soon. Still looks quite well handicapped to me. Um, record left-handed, three four wins in a second uh, since going beyond two miles, and um, look, and he beat a decent horse in Molly's wishes last time out as well. So I do think at around five to one, he's been backed in since. Um, he, he's the one for me, especially getting what is it, twenty six pound off off Sanagino as well. Mm, yeah, like I say getting enough weight away from the favourite Sanagino, five to one. Then Vash's reflection match feels like he can trust him that bit more than Sanagino in the three fifteen at. Aintree. Right, our sky, uh, our final scheduled race, I should say, in this section is the London National. A 0-150 handicap chase over the slog of three mile four and a half furlongs at Sandown at 3.35. Now we have Fontaine Clanche and Beauport joint favourites at 3-1 to one at the head of the market. 8-1 to one bar about the remainder. So, Matty, this is always a proper test, this race. So who laughs out the longest in here? Yeah, it, it's always a slog, isn't it? It's um, both a lovely and a grueling sight to behold. Yeah. And um, it, again, it was it was tricky to work out. I thought um, I landed on Fontaine Colonge. Now I, I don't like backing backing favourites and handicaps of this nature. It is against my morals. But at three to one, the stats back it up. You know, the yard won it last season. First time up with quick wave. 
That was off a 327-day layoff. The last two winners of the last two winners of the race have come fresh. And then Fonse and Colonge's record fresh is a two second, a th- a three three winners, a second, a third, and a fourth. So the layoff's no concern there. And obviously he's coming back off the uh, off a wind up as well. And now Venetia record, Venetia Williams's record uh, with horses first time up after wind operation, 25% strike weight, which is fantastic. And um, it's only a pound above that Haydock win when he beat uh, the big breakaway who I was annoyingly on. And uh, it was second in the Welsh National afterwards. So again, I was annoyingly on. So I'm, I'm hoping that I can have some solace from Fontaine Colonges and um, he can outstay them. Okay, Fontaine Colonges then to outstay them all. Dave, what was your angle? Yeah, so this is a long old race, isn't it? City Chief mm-hmm. Nicky Henderson was due to come here. He's talking about him being his Grand National horse. He's shaken up the market because he's not run. I think a lot of people are expecting him to be here, expecting him to win. Nicky Henderson's got a weird record with horses in excess of three miles. Though. He doesn't seem to tend to train horses that are stamina laid. And anyway, he's not in it. Let's stop talking about him. Obviously, a race of this nature, when a favourite comes out, you start to look at the head of the market. But Beauport and Fontaine Colonge won't stay three and a half miles in a taxi. I can't have either of them. And I know that race, right, with the big breakaway. We all love the big breakaway, let's be honest. But beating him in a ding-dong head bob, it doesn't really confirm your stamina. It probably just confirms that big breakaway doesn't win races, does it? Back in third that day is a horse called Rapper. And Rapper is who I will bet in here. But I will also be betting Rapper on New Year's Day at Cheltenham when he might more likely win. But this horse was given £7 to Fontaine Colognes that day. Got an 11-length beaten. And they're off the same terms in this race today. So not really better rated. £11 to make up. If you watch the race back, he wasn't really staying on loads towards the line to close the gap. But obviously, this is three and a half furlongs further. But from the second last until the finish line, he flew past four horses. So definitely a horse that's got like, I don't want to say like a dodgy constitution, but he won first time in cheap pieces, right? He went past those horses because they were in front of him. He saw they were too far clear Fontaine Colonge, knew they were going to cross the line, so he couldn't be bothered to carry on running. But he had loads left in him. Like, this is a horse that definitely will stay um the jockey that's gone on this time i think i'll need to double check i think it's alice stevens yeah, alice stevens yeah claiming the five yeah so she's been on a couple of times with him and unfortunately like the form lines will be pulled up pulled up so people will be like oh the horse is gone they've got a claim wrong it's got no chance but first time up it bled so you can forgive any horse for that second time was an irregular heartbeat but that run was a prep run i think for something right so as, as much as like the the horse could be prepped for new year's day i think it's won twice on new year's day it's come second on new year's day so other wins been in january it has once won in november so they may be plotting it for cheltenham it's entered at chepstow as well right over two miles seven and a half furlongs if it goes to chepstow that's definitely a prep for new year's day if it comes to this race because of the distance they are trying to win this this is a decent race and then obviously they've got one eye on cheltenham after as a backup so 18 to 1 is stupid. This horse will be plugging on. Over three miles, it came fifth and was staying on. Again, chasing horses, which is what this horse will do. I'll go past him, it'll win. 18 to 1. I'm all over Rapper. And if not, we'll get it all back on New Year's Day. Yeah, exactly. Then come back then. What better horse to side with than a horse that has bled and had an irregular heartbeat on the last <laughs> loop start? But you are getting 18 to 1 about him. And Alice Stevens riding again, taking the £5 off of his back of 12 stone there. So different ways to play the London National. Right. Well done, lads. That was our scheduled race. So, Dave, I'll throw it back to you. Where do you want to go? Do you want to go anywhere else or do you want to go a Cheltenham chat? I'll let you take the running order. Oh, I mean, we won't go anywhere else. I'm going to, should we do the naps now? Because I want to get the nap out early. Are you done? I've given him the option of mixing up the running order for what he wanted to do last week. And again, he's changed it. Go on then, go on, whatever you want. 
I just got to get it in just in case Matty goes against it because I'm happy for a head bobber. But <laughs> Sonagina in the 315 is a good thing. Sonagina is my nap for the weekend. Right, Matty, go on, hit it back to him. What's your nap? Um, I'll go with La Patron in the Henry Jack Lewis. Oh, nice and a nice price as well. We like bold moves. I haven't got a nap uh, for this week because hence why I'm in a hotel room is because I've just come back from filming this morning. So I haven't looked at any decks. So I'm totally reliant on the lads and it would be irresponsible of me to be giving you a best bet at this stage after not really looking at much. Right, Dave, back to you then. Cheltenham chat. What are we looking forward to this weekend ahead of the festival come March? I have a whole lot to waffle about, but again, I'm ruining your running order. I've got to pass it back to Matty, because just before you turned up, while we were waiting for you to turn up, M Matty started talking about horse, which I'm in agreement with, but Matty was the one that shouted it up. It's a stupid price for Cheltenham. So, Matty, who's the one that we should be getting on for Cheltenham? Yeah, look, we, we were all discussing this beforehand, and then we noticed Chantry House has been uh, entered, well, declared for the Pertemps qualifier at Sandown on Saturday. And now, look, if you go back to that run and, at Cheltenham, it was just the most given the absolute most stones ride you'll ever see and don't get me wrong it was it was fun it was fantastic to see him back to somewhere we know where we can be but i'd also backed him that day so i wasn't i didn't go each way either so you know bit me was a bit bittersweet but as soon as he kind of plugged on for third i just thought he's got per attempts written all over him absolutely all over him i think if he'd have won that race they'd gone to the stairs with him <clears throat> excuse me but um yeah so and i said i said on twitter afterwards look i'm if, if he's given a per attempts entry this will absolutely hack up no doubt and uh, Dave, I, I didn't realise it was priced up, but Dave said it's 25 to 1 on William Hill. And um, I mean, look, I'm not telling anyone to steam into it, but he will absolutely hack up. If he finishes in the top four this Saturday, he will go in. Oh, I like it. Because of course he didn't qualify. We we all sort of thought when we checked that first run of the season four, we thought, is this not a potential qualifier? Just double checking it wasn't. <laughs> so actually to get qualified, hopefully this time around, off of the same mark as last time out, a quality horse in the potential going forwards is a, it's a good angle. I like that a lot. But that race comes up at 12.40 at, uh, at Sandown on Saturday, Chantry House. And Dave, you're in total agreement then, I'm guessing. I am, yeah. But before we get to Saturday, let's do Friday. I'll do the rundown. I'll do it as quick as I can because the viewers are there. This is what they've waited for. And the faster I speak, the harder it is for the editor to get all the names out, right? Friday at Sandown, we've got Insurrection and South of the Border going head-to-head -head in the Winter Novices Hurdle. That race I will just touch on for the fact that it's not so good for Cheltenham Festival pointers, pointers, but there are some good horses in there. I'm strongly advised that Insurrection's an absolute weapon as well, so I expect him to go in on Friday. After that, we've got Stay Away Faye taking on Giovinco. They're clashing over three miles in the Grade 2 Isha Chase. Again, I think Stay Away Faye would be the one that would win that one. It's giving away weight to Giovinco as well. So if he does go and do that, he's going to end up a short price favourite for the Brown Advisory. So maybe think twice about betting him for that if you like him for Friday. Saturday, there's an absolute abundance of excellence on show. We've obviously talked about the fighting fifth with Shishkin and Constitution Hill in there, which is crazy thinking one's going to go for a chairman head and one will end up in a gold cup. Before that, though, we've got Will Mount. We know definitely where he's going now because his owners come out and said this horse runs in the Supreme. There was question marks after his uh, Newbury debut where Nicky Henderson said he might want to step up in trip. He's running in here. He's going to go in the Supreme. So, again, bear that in mind. He's probably going to run home on Saturday. You might want to get involved at Cheltenham. I think he's about 14s for the Supreme at the time of recording. Matty's already said it, but there's a Potemps qualifier, Chantry House. He's stupidly big price. It's only William Hill, but he's 25 to 1. That will shorten up before he runs. And after he qualifies, it will shorten up again. How mad is it that a horse can come fourth and his price will probably have like quarter or a fifth? 
for Cheltenham. It's madness. We've got two more grade ones with the Henry VIII and obviously Chase. We talked about that. JPR one's the one that I think will just stamp his authority as the top horse in Britain for two miles. He's about 33 to one for the article, though, so he's probably not going to be winning in March. So watch the race, but forget about that one. John Bond's obviously going to expect to be dominating in the Tingle Creek. He'll be confirming that. And then obviously we've got El Fabiota running in the Hillywell Chase. So I don't think there'll be much of a shake-up in the market between the two of those unless anything bad happens, like one of them goes and gets beat. But I expect they will both win. Before that, though, in Ireland, on Saturday, we've got the Grade 2 Navin Novice Hurdle. This is a filthy-looking Grade 2, right? We've got one of my horses to follow in there, Slade Steel, who's stepping up in trip. I think he would have won the Royal Bond if he ran in that. This is going to be more testing going, and he will be taking on better days ahead, Lecky Watson and Stella Story. So I reckon this will be a race with festival clues for the Ballymore, the Albert Bartlett. There will be Grade 1 novice hurdlers in this race, without doubt. They've also got a beginner's chase, right? which is not far off the standard of our Henry VIII novices chase. It's just a beginner's chase. It's not even a greater race. We've got Hidden Valley Lake taking on Indiana Dream, St. Felician and Sham Valley Kid. They're all racing over two mile, four and a half. So there's some big names in there. The card closes with another talking horse as well. There will be rumours spreaded around Ireland, around the, the Twitter sphere. My trump card for Gordon Elliott has Patrick Mullins on board. But don't worry, he's not run away from close that. And Patrick bred this horse. Henry Swan rode in the first time, but obviously the clues in the fact that he's on him first for Saturday. Probably going to win that. Looks like he could be a special horse. They may go hurdling with him after, though. So don't maybe think about champion bumper with that one. Sunday, we've obviously talked about the fact that the Hillyway is on there. There's a couple of other graded races, though. There's a stay of novice hurdle over three miles where Croke Park, Mahon's Way, Wat Path, Solitary Man and Search for Glory could all run. But just be careful that it's not so much a pointer towards the Albert Bartlett anymore. There's been horses that will win this race that will just finish down the line. So maybe don't see, see a horse win that and think it will automatically win the Albert Bartlett. We saw the winner of the Albert Bartlett today in Chaco de Soleil. I've already put him up, still gets stuck in. He's 25 to 1. There's another grade two, another graded race, which is the Mayor's Novices Chase, where Aintree winner and the Triumph third, Zenta, for Willie Mullins, JP McManus, will probably make her chase in David against Harmonia Maker. She is still eligible for a four-year-old wait-for-age allowance, so I expect you'll get the better of Harmonia Maker before going on to bigger things. But good racing, lots of clues coming up, but I do think some of the races maybe don't get too excited about for Cheltenham because it's windy enough. Yeah, don't get carried away with a couple of them because we know how the anti-post markets work and plenty of those winners will likely shorten, but don't get lulled into a few of those. Matty, did you have anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up? Uh, well, it was interaction, but Dave just put a ballymore, but Dave just told me that the, uh, that race doesn't lend any clues to Cheltenham. So, no, no, no. <laughs> okay, great. That's a, <laughs> that has rounded it off quite nicely then. But Matty, great to have you on the show again, because of course we've done our naps. What's a running order anyway? But thank you so much to Dave and to Matty for all of their hard work as per usual. A big thank you to our sponsors, BetMGM. A big thank you to you at home for watching. We'll be back at the same time again next week to preview more weekend action. Thank you.